This week we're studying about connections. It's so important whom we connect with. And thank God we're connected to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, aren't we? We're connected to Jesus. And it's important that we stay connected with Him so that He can impact our life and we can impact the world. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14 says in the message translation, it says, In the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Isn't that good? He leads us in one perpetual victory parade. A a whole lot of people would say, I don't know that God ever leads me. You know, and we always say around here, we believe God does lead us. So we say God gets me at the right place at the right time with the right people. And I have a right attitude, an attitude of faith and expectancy. So I believe the right things happen. God's a big God. He's able to get me there, isn't he? Amen. It says, Uh, that he leads us from place to place in a victory parade a victory parade and we've talked about briefly last week but again this week I mean CU Boulder you know the football team the buffs up there they've already doubled their uh, win total from last year last year they won one game all year and now now they're two and oh and the fans they, they stormed the field after just the second game of the season it wasn't like they just won the Super Bowl or anything like that they're excited and and that was a great victory and you know that wasn't necessarily a parade but you would ask a whole lot of Christians how are you doing you know and it's like well I'm suffering for Jesus or I'm just trying to make it through or one day it will be all worth it yeah well but right now God's got good things today doesn't he he says through us say through me he brings knowledge of Christ everywhere we go people breathe in the exquisite fragrance Let's read it out of the new life. It says, We thank God for the power Christ has given us. He leads us and makes us win in everything. Say, well, it doesn't look like I'm winning there. Well, you know, just keep playing. You know, doesn't matter if we have to go into extra innings. I've read the back of the book and I know that I win. Praise the Lord, right? Have you read it? If you haven't, you need to read the back of the book. It'll excite you. He leads us and makes us win in everything. He speaks through us wherever we go. The good news is like a sweet smell to those who hear it. Now, God wants to change our world, doesn't He? God wants to impact you. God's a personal God. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to talk with you and walk with you and be there in your darkest dark, in your lightest light, in your lowest low. When it's high, when things are going great, God wants to be there every step of the way. And if we invite Him into our life, He will be. He'll never leave us. He's everything we need. He's still a miracle worker. He still has a great plan for every person on planet Earth. And so we lovingly accept that plan. And we humble ourselves under His mighty hand. And we say, Lord, not what I want in my life, but what you want in my life. Because I have learned that God wants good things in my life. He cares more about me than I care about myself. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Jeremiah 29, 11, we look at it often. In the message, Jeremiah the prophet said, I know what I'm doing. He says about the Lord. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. So many people won't put their trust in God because they think God is against them. I grew up thinking that, right or wrong. That's what I thought. God was against me. 
But when I found out God was for me and He cared about me and He wasn't trying to send me to hell, He was trying to get me to accept Him. He was trying to get me to follow Him. He was trying to get me to love Him. He was trying to get me into heaven one day. God's a good God, isn't He? So we say it around here because God has more for our life. We say this all the time and I trust you say it not just at church, but you say it every day when you get up, when you look yourself in the mirror, when you're brushing your teeth. Try not to spit too much toothpaste on the mirror. But when you get up every day, you know, you get up and you say, we were born for more. Amen. Say it with me. We were born for more. Say it again. We were born for more. And we can have as much passion for the more. We can be desirous for the more. Or we can just sit back. And honestly, if we just sit back passionless, we're not going to walk in all that God has for us. So we need to stretch our thinking and our believing about the future. I know there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world. It's an interesting time to be alive. It's an interesting time, I believe, that Jesus is going to show off and show out and there's going to be more demonstrations of God's reality and His love for people than ever before. So we've been aligning ourselves with God's Word and trying to line up with what He has for us so that, so that He can be everything and do the things in our life that He wants to do, but also so He can do things through us, so He can use us. Jesus provided so many blessings. So many blessings, and the promises of God are yes and amen. They're so be it. God wants us to walk in His blessings, and He has a good, specific plan for each one of us, doesn't He? Amen. You know, God wants us to have a life of significance, a life of purpose, a life that's satisfying and has meaning. Are you with me? Amen. He does. God desires that we live a life that's fulfilling to us and that is pleasing to Him. Understand, God wants to do amazing things in our life, but God wants to use us too, to live a life that's extraordinary in Christ, to live a life that, that makes a difference, to live a life that people look and go, you know, I want what they have. That doesn't mean we're perfect. We're far from perfect. We're all learners. We're all growing in the knowledge of God. Unless we realize that God has that future for us, so many people, they just take whatever comes along. And we don't. there's some things that come along in life we need to resist. We need to stand against and say, no, that's not the plan of God. Because the Word of God is opposite of what's trying to come in my life. So we stand against those things. And we believe God for what He has for us. So we're changing the way we think, the way we believe, and the way we act. You know, that was uh, three of my four points, I think, a couple weeks ago, wasn't it? <laughs> He wants to use us. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 8. <coughs> Excuse me. God is a faith God, and everything we receive from God is by trusting in Him. Let's look at this, and this is out of the New King James. Paul said, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And if you've been around here, anytime we read the scripture, I always have to stop and say, I love the translation that says, we are God's work of art. You're God's masterpiece. We're going to read it here in the message. Let's read it. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. 
If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. That's pretty good, isn't it? He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join Him in the work that He does. Well, God, you know, you just take care of it and you just do and, you know, and I don't, you know, I, I ask Him and I'm not going to do anything. No, it says to join Him in the work that He does. That tells us God's got something for all of us to do. The good work He has gotten ready for us to do Work we'd better be doing. God's got a plan for you. And you are on planet earth. And you have a mouth to speak words. Kind words. Words of salt. Words of grace. Words that build up people. You have hands to reach out and love people. You have feet that take you out into your world. And into the world that uh, really needs Jesus. That needs love. That needs the real deal. I think there's been too much of the... Uh, and understand this when I say, I am against religion. I hate religion. I believe God hates religion. Because religion is always us trying to do good enough, trying to reach up to God, trying to be something, you know, where God accepts us. But Jesus came and He said, y'all are messed up. He said, I need to come and help you. I need to come and fix you because you, are, you can't fix yourself. The only way you can be fixed is you get a brand new heart and you start over and you renew your mind Amen. with what God says. And that's how your life changes. See, we understand salvation is a free gift from God. It cannot be earned. Amen. I think around here probably most of you would understand that. No one can earn salvation. <coughs> you know, uh, there's uh, so many, and I used to think this way too. Uh, when you died and went to heaven, well, there'd be this giant scale. And on the scale, you know, on one side would be all the good things I did and all the nice things I said. And on the other side would be all the bad things I did and all the mean things I said. And, and you know, if it tips to the good, well, you're welcome. If it tips to the bad, oh, no, you're in trouble. <laughs> did anybody else think that way? So many religions, if I can just get good enough. And people, you don't see it a lot in America, but people in other, some countries, they will hang on a cross even. Or they'll be whipped. Or they'll walk across broken glass, whatever, trying to be good enough. No, there's only one thing that makes us good enough, and that's what Jesus did through His blood. There's life in the blood of Jesus, and Jesus gave His life, He gave His blood so we can be redeemed. As believers and children of God, we're to be Christ-like, right? As believers, we're to have good works, but those works don't earn our relationship with God. And so we're going to talk today about the fact, you know, there, there's the two ditches. There's the ditch that, oh, well, I've made Jesus the Lord of my life, and I've prayed, and so I don't have to do anything. It's just me and Jesus, and, you know, I'm just going to make it into heaven, and that's great. You know? And then there's the other ditch that I've got to earn it, I've got to work, I've got to do, and that's the only way I'll make it into heaven. I've got to do nonstop everything, just work myself to death so that God will love me, so that God will know I care about the things that are important to Him, and, you know, I'll just kill myself trying to know. Both of those are ditches. You understand that? 
do you realize this? Uh, many times the devil doesn't care what ditch you're in. He just cares that he gets you into a ditch. Because if you're in a ditch, you're not going to be making the progress that you should. You're not going to be the blessing that you should. You're not going to be the blessed like God wants you to be. Let's look at this in Genesis 4. <clears throat> Let's look at an example of works. In uh, Genesis 4, beginning in verse 3, and it says, In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Now this is the first record we have in the Bible of, of a, a man, anyone giving an offering. Cain brought the fruit of the ground. God did not accept that offering. Why is that? Is God unjust? He just looked at Abel and went, yeah, Abel's my favorite. Cain, not so much. You know, I, I don't really care about him. No, that's not it at all. God is not unjust. Cain knew better. Cain knew better, but he did it his own way, not God's way. And that describes so many people today, I believe, even some Christians. It's like, well, no, I'll just do it my way. I don't have to do it God's way. I can do it my way. And that's the thing about so many religions, too. It's like, oh, well, there's, there's many gods and many paths to gods. Or they may say, okay, there's one true God, but there's many paths to God and, you know, just whatever. And, oh, yeah, heaven's real, but hell, no, no, not so much. Because if we truly believe there is judgment, well, then you're going to have to make some changes, you know, in your life. And people just go, no, no, that's not my truth. I don't want to live that way. No, we live according to what God says. I want to do things God's way. You know, I've lived long enough to figure out God's a lot smarter than me. Oh my goodness, it's not even close. Praise the Lord. And also, you think about this, you know, uh, God, evidently, He had told them how to do this. But Cain wanted to do it his own way. And there's so many things God tells us. He says, do it this way. And we go, mm. understand this. If God tells you to do things a certain way, it's because he knows the consequences of not doing it his way. It's not that he's a tyrant. It's not that he wants to make it just impossible and I'll just make it so tough and we'll just see, you know, I'll just, I'll just see if they really love me. They'll just have to prove their love, you know, and just be miserable. All the No, no, that's not God. Genesis 3 also, if you read it, the ground had been cursed because of Adam's fall. Remember, God said, cursed is the fruit of the ground. He didn't say, I curse it. He said, Adam, because of what you did, because of the fall, it's cursed. So Cain brought a cursed offering to God. He knew better. But what happened with Abel? He brought a blood sacrifice. That's faith in an innocent substitute. And that's what we have. We have faith in that innocent substitute, Jesus. What happened? The fire from heaven came and consumed that blood. Notice this. They both brought an offering at the same time. There must have been a certain day, a certain time, that the Lord had said, bring an offering, right? Cain became depressed after God rejected him. And, uh, you know, it says his countenance fell. In other words, he got sad, he got depressed, and he got angry. 
And if you say, stay in that depression, you'll probably get angry at somebody. Maybe at God. I know people that are angry at God. They blame God for all of their life choices when really a lot of it's just been them. He became angry and he killed his brother. That's pretty angry. The first murder in the Bible. So we, we don't trust in our own works. The world needs to see, as I said, real Christianity, not the phony. You know, I, I think people are crying out for real. They're not crying out for a list of do's and don'ts. They're not crying out for all this religion, you know, and oh, well, you got to wear your hair a certain way and you got to look a certain way and you're not welcome in our church unless you look a certain way. You know, that, that's not it at all. No, Jesus loved the unlovely. He loved them into changing. And sometimes even the church, religion, but even the church has been like, okay, you change and then we'll love you. No, we love you just like Jesus loved us into loving him. We love people with the love of Jesus into changing. That doesn't mean we just say, oh yeah, any lifestyle, anything's fine, everything's wonderful. No, we say, well, this is what God says, but we're going to give you time to grow just like God's given us time to grow. You and I are made right only by the blood of Jesus. We're made right with God only by the blood of Jesus. Say, thank God for the blood. If any man had a right to come and say, you know, uh, on the basis of my works, I should be accepted before God. It would be Abraham. He's called the father of faith. As an old man, God had promised him that he would, you know, he would have uh, uh, so many descendants, he couldn't count them all. More than the stars, more than the sands. And it says, and he didn't even have a child until he was 100. Wow. That every time I think about that, I just go, wow. I'm glad I had my kids when I was in my 20s, not when I'm 100. Now, can you imagine the, teaching the little, the little toddlers learning to walk, and he's running over there, and there's Abraham. Come here. Come back here. Against hope, it says, he believed in hope. He counted God's word as truth. And he had that son and he named him Laughter, which is a pretty good name. Romans 4, let's read it, beginning in verse 1. It says, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. Now let's just stop right here. This is not a Scripture that you use to quit your job and just say, well, I'm just going to believe God, and God's got to take care of me, you know, the next 50 years or whatever. And No, that's no, we're called to set our hand to something. And everything we set our hand to, we believe God prospers, right? But he's talking about spiritual things here. He says, uh, you know, I can, I can do all kinds of things. I can pass out tracts. I can go street witnessing. I can go give sandwiches to the hungry. I can take mission trips. I can do all kinds of things. But that in and of itself is not something that's I should boast about, really, or something that gives me a greater access to God. Even Abraham couldn't boast before God. 
Now, I want everybody here to know I played high school football. So what, right? In fact, I was the captain of the football team. Got to kiss the queen. I was dating my wife. She wasn't my wife at the time. But she wasn't happy that I kissed my best friend's girlfriend. <laughs> so that was kind of the highlight of my football career. Not much, right? I mean, seriously. That would be, listen, if I bragged about my high school football career, that would be like me comparing myself to saying, well, Peyton Manning, I played football too. <laughs> Just because you're in the Hall of Fame and have all these records, or Tom Brady, you know, so what? You're not a big deal. But if anybody could brag, you know, in the same, somebody, you would say, okay, well, if somebody's going to earn something, that Tom Brady or those guys, I mean, they're amazing athletes. It's the same. You can say, well, I, I've worked and I've done and I was burned at the stake and all that. But if we don't accept Jesus, if we don't do it because of Jesus and because of His love for us, it's really a waste. A person can have good works for the wrong reason and the wrong motives. Think about this. What, what if, in, you know, back to the balance scale thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Back to the balance. Well, what if you didn't even find out? I mean, some, some people, we were raised in such a way that we didn't even really know right from wrong. Right? What about those people? They go, okay, well, they didn't even learn about, you know, there's a heaven or anything till they're 40 or 50 or 60. And you go, oh, man, you know, it's too late. I've got all this bad, and it's too late. What about the thief on the cross beside Jesus? He didn't have time to do any good works, did he? A person can have good works for the wrong reason. I've used this story, but I think it's so funny. This was in Dade County, Florida, many years ago now. There were some palm trees along the road, and there were five of them. They were beautiful. They were about 15 feet tall, and some, some vandals cut down those trees. And so the city really didn't have money to replace them. So a company volunteered, just out of the goodness of their heart, I'm sure, volunteered to put up some palm trees, but instead of the 15-footers, they put up 35-footers. And everybody's like, wow, that's really amazing. That's so good. But... Then a company realized, wait a minute, there's a billboard there, our billboard, and it's blocking, and it, the, the sign said, fly Delta. But now that was blocked, thanks to Eastern Airlines, who'd paid for the trees. So they did a good work, but what was their motive? Come on, God is after our heart, and He knows your heart. He knows everything. You know, you can do something and, and we may look and go, wow, that's really amazing. But God is after your heart. That's the only thing He wants from you. If He has your heart, He has all of you. Right? Since we're right with God, we want to be a blessing to others. Since we're right with God, because I love God, I want to do things. I want to be a blessing. I want to be kind. I want to help people. 
First John 3, we've looked at it the last few weeks. Let's look at it in the living, new living, actually. First John 3 and verse 14. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves we have passed from death to eternal life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another Christian is really a murderer at heart. That's pretty strong. I'm glad I didn't write the Bible. And you know that murders don't have eternal life within them. We know, verse 16, we know what real love is because Christ gave up His life for us. And so we also ought to give up our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. God's love on the inside is what compels us to do different. It's not, well, there's all this, you know, and i got to cut my hair a certain way, i got to wear certain clothes, i gotta, I got to act this way, i got to do, and that way I'll be accepted as a Christian, and that way God will accept me, and that way I'll make it into heaven. No, it's by the blood, accepting His love. Now, I, I love that fact, and I've sort of alluded to it already, but, but God, He catches us just the way we are. He brings us in just the way we are. He doesn't say, as soon as you change this, or as soon as you change that, or as soon as you grow this much, then you can become a child of God. No, He says, I want you to come right now. Don't put it off another second, and I will come into your life, and I will give you power, and I will help you, and you will grow, and you will become everything I created you to be. Praise God. Uh, Christianity is so different than ever other religion. But sometimes you wouldn't know it. And that's got to change. God's love compels us to love others. We say it. We are passionate about loving Jesus. We're passionate about loving our spouse and family. And we are passionate about loving others. Other believers, we're passionate about loving the lost. God loves them just like He loves us. This is a story, and, and it's a little long. You're familiar with it, but I want to read it to you, all right? And if you have your Bibles, it might be good if you would open it there to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, and we'll begin reading in verse 25. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, there are people that, you know, my daddy said it this way, and maybe you understand. He said, you know, they like to split hairs. They're looking for an out. They're looking. He said, this lawyer stood up, this smart guy stood up, and he said, uh, <clears throat> teacher, what shall I do? Now, probably he's like, look, I've, I've done a lot of great things. I've been on the mission trips, you know. I give an ever offering. I've done all kinds of things. So he's like, what shall I do? So Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? You notice he always brings it back to the Word. He said, What is your reading of it? So the man answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now this was a pretty good answer. It really encapsulated all of the Ten Commandments. And Jesus said to him, You've answered rightly. Do this and you will live. Verse 29, <laughs> but, but, but the man, but he, but us, wanting to justify himself. Have we ever done that? 
Oh, but I did this. Oh, I, I can't help with that. But I helped with this, you know, seven years ago. But, but I can't, you know, but I'm too busy. But I don't have time, you know, wanting to justify. But I did that one, you know. Well, I'll give an extra dollar in the offering. Then the preacher have to do, you know. We try to justify. Now, you're a whole lot like Adam, aren't you? We are. Now, I'm not trying to beat anybody up, but what did, what did he do? When they transgressed, he said, you know, God came and said, Adam, where are you? And he said, well, I hid myself. And, you know, I was afraid. And he said, uh, Lord, the woman that you gave me. He pointed two fingers. He said, it's not my fault. I'm just a victim of circumstances. Right? <laughs> Wanting to justify himself. You know, you don't need to justify yourself. You just need to come to Jesus and say, here I am. I missed it. Help me. Give me more grace. Give me more wisdom. Change me. Conform me to the image of Jesus so I don't fall back in that mess again. I, it's not your fault. It's not their fault. It's my fault. As soon as you do that, you'll begin to grow. As long as we're pointing the fingers, not me. No, I I can justify anything. Praise the Lord, y'all doing all right? He wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, uh, <clears throat> "And who is my neighbor?" He's looking for a loophole. He's looking for a get-out-of-jail-free card. He's like, yeah, my neighbor, well, you know, and I live in a big place, and nobody's really close to me, and yeah, I don't really have any neighbors. So, yeah, I can love everybody as long as nobody comes around. I can be generous to everybody as long as I don't ever see anybody. Come on. Verse 30, Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Verse 31, Now by chance a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, another religious man, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Now this man, he at least looked, but he looked and went, nah, I don't want to get dirty. Nah, I'm busy. I got an appointment. This, this looks like, eh, you know, he probably did something and he probably deserves it. Who knows, right? But a certain Samaritan. Now Samaritans weren't the most popular people at this point in time. They weren't. As he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had, what's that word? Compassion. He had compassion. What was it that moved Jesus? It said he looked out over Jerusalem and he, and he cried out with compassion, with love. If we don't have compassion for others... We're not going to move. We're not going to do anything. If we truly don't care, 
We say it. We're passionate about loving Jesus. And you go, man, it's easy to be passionate about loving Him. We're passionate about loving our spouse and family. Well, many days that's pretty easy. Some days not quite so easy. And it's, then we say we're passionate about loving others. And you go, mm, that's the one I have trouble with. As he journeyed, he saw him and had compassion. Verse 34. So he went to the man and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine, which really type of the Holy Spirit. And he set him on his own animal. It didn't matter to him that he was bleeding all over his leather upholstery. <laughs> and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will come again. I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And the lawyer answered and said, He who showed mercy on him. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Didn't Jesus make it real simple? The man said, oh, you know, here's the law and, you know, and you do the Ten Commandments and love the Lord and love everybody and be nice to your neighbor. And the Lord just said, okay, yeah, this is real simple. Have compassion on people. Love people. The Samaritan, and you can study it if you like, really they gave, at the time, it would be called a ransom or the ransom like purchasing that person's life. It was equal to two or three days' wages. You think about today, somebody, this, this Samaritan, he did not know that man, and it'd be like us dropping $500, taking him to the place and saying, here's $500, and you know, you know, I travel back and forth through here, and the next time I'm here, whatever it is, I'll pay. I'm not telling you to just, you know, round up everybody off the street and say, well, here, I'll put you in a house and I'll do it. No, but there's got to be a change on the inside of people or they'll be right back where they were. But we can love people. This guy wasn't a priest. The preacher just walked by. He didn't even look. The other man, he at least looked and said, nah, too much trouble. But one man cared enough to get out of his comfort zone and understand this, when you love people, even your spouse, your family, you love people in the church, you love your neighbor, it's going to cause you to get out of your comfort zone and it's going to cost you something most of the time too. Cost you some time, cost you some emotion, maybe some things, maybe some money even. It did this man. He was moved with compassion. Love wants people to be helped and set free. So love always has actions. We've mentioned that a couple times, haven't we? Some people's attitude is, well, just let somebody else do it. And I've been there, unfortunately. And you and I can't do everything. And I'm not telling you today that you need to work yourself to death trying to do everything and trying to please everyone and trying to be everything to everybody. Understand this. There is a God and you are not Him. And it's the same with me. There is a God and even as your pastor, I am not Him. I will lead you to Jesus. I will point you to Jesus. I will pray with you. I will encourage you. But I cannot do things for you. Right? And sometimes, you know, people, it's like, well, 
right? Without the proper understanding, sometimes, and I've done it, and I think you have too, I've missed opportunities. And, and maybe I had that compassion, maybe I had that love that I wanted things to be different for that person, but I didn't know, or I was, I was like, okay, well, there's people all around, and I don't, I don't want to pray for them right now. I don't want to embarrass them and embarrass me. I think we've all been there to where, you know, we've had that gentle nudge. Someone's opened up somewhere, and they're telling a little bit of a problem, and, and we just go, oh, well, wow, you know, and well, I'll pray for you. Bye. And that's good. But that almost reminds me of the second man. You know, you at least stopped and looked, and then you went, see ya. Not my problem. You walk away and go, man, they got problems. No, what if we just took the time, actually, right then? Doesn't matter who's around. And I'm not saying, you know, you stand up in the middle of a restaurant and go, hey, everybody, be quiet. You know, I'm about to pray for this sinner over here. <laughs> I'm not saying anything like that. But it's not hard to just get someone, and they're... they're pouring out something or they've and just say you know what you know i'm a christian can i just pray with you for just one minute won't take long and just i'm saying lord jesus you're real and i ask you to work in this situation you're so good show them your love show them your power we believe for a miracle we believe for a breakthrough in jesus name amen and you know it may stop there and the lord may say you know that 20 you've been carrying around in your wallet for that occasion, you know, just in case? Well, this is that case. Give it to them. Maybe, maybe not. Or maybe they say, Lord, the, the Holy Spirit says, you know that 100 you've been carrying around? Maybe uh, you need to give it to them. Maybe, maybe. I'm just saying, follow love. Follow the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is... You know, we want to be led by God, and if we'll follow after love, we will be led by God. Find a way. People do things, I've noticed, people do things they want to do. Right? If your want to is big enough, you'll find a way. You'll do whatever it takes, right? We do whatever we value. John Bunyan said, you've not lived until you've done something for someone who can never repay you. And that's really an interesting thing. I mean, lots of times people will do things for someone that they want to gain favor with, that they think, well, this guy, you know, he can promote me, or this guy, you know, I, he knows, you know, this guy, he, this guy I know knows John Elway, and man, I'd like to meet John Elway, so I'm going to be really nice to him, and maybe, Right? No, we want to be Christ-like. We want to do it because that's what Jesus would do. We can give without loving, but we cannot love without giving. And people have, have given without loving, giving grudgingly, giving of necessity, you know, well, I'm supposed to do this and I have to do this. And, you know, if I don't put my dollar in the bucket with a, the church mafia is going to come get me. It's not that way, is it? Matthew 7 and verse 12. Jesus said, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. Do you want people to be nice to you? 
let's ask. Okay, do you want people to be nice from you out there watching too? If you want people to be nice to you, raise your hand. Say, I want people to be nice to me. Well, I thought we'd get everybody, but we came pretty close. <laughs> Whatever you want men to do to you. Yeah, some raised both their hand and one foot. <laughs> Whatever you want men to do to you. In Proverbs it says, He that finds friend must be friendly. Well, I just want him to be, I don't want to have to be friends. No, it goes both ways. Sometimes it looks like walking in love will cause you to lose, but in the long run, you will win. Look at the early days of the church. We won't take the time, but in Acts 2, you know, they stood up and preached, and, and uh, 3,000 got saved, and then, you know, the disciples, they had things in common. That doesn't mean they all became you know, communist and sold everything. And no, it doesn't mean that at all. But well, whoever had need, they sold, they, they had, they were, they gave, they were generous. They were a blessing. They were about the kingdom of God. So the law of sowing and reaping comes into effect, doesn't it? We do things from a heart of love to bless others and to be a blessing to others. And we're just talking about, we talked about passion. We're talking about good works and we want to do good things and good works, but we want to do them with the right attitude and for the right reason. I love this story. I've told it before. Roy Engel tells a story about his friend named Paul. And this was many, many years ago. Like, you know, now probably 70, 80 years ago. Paul's brother bought him a new car. And this street kid was admiring the car and, and he said, well, my brother bought it for me. And the kid's like, wow, it didn't cost you anything? Nothing? Your brother gave that to you? And the little kid said, I wish, I, I wish. And Paul thought he was going to say, I wish somebody would buy me a car. Instead, he said, I wish I could be a brother like that. He didn't say, I want somebody to do that for me. He said, I want to be that kind of person that I can do that. And I believe that's what God's calling us to be. And God will do things for us. But I believe we want to be that person that's a blessing to others. I've prayed that many times. Lord, bless me so I can bless them. Lord, bless me so I can bless Brother Behrman. Lord, bless me so I can bless that Bible school. Lord, bless me so I can bless that orphanage. Not just... Lord, bless me. So the little boy, he, he said this. He said, you know, would you give me a ride? And, and he did. He took him for a ride. And the little boy said, can you take me by my house? And the man thought, you know, Paul thought, he pulled up in front of the house. He thought, you know, he wanted to show off that he's riding in this new car. So the little boy, he said, stop at my house. Okay. So the little boy went in and he came out after a few minutes and he had his little brother with him. And his little brother, this was a time and he'd evidently been affected with polio. He had braces on his legs and he was helping him walk out. And this is what the little boy told his little brother. He said, look at it. That man's brother gave it to him. Isn't it nice? Someday I'm going to buy you a car just like that. And you can drive downtown and you can drive around and you can see all the places that I've been telling you about. He said, I'm going to do that someday. 
I'm going to be that person. But think about it. We start with that heart to give, that heart to be a blessing. Jesus is looking for people, I believe, who will just be real, who will be who God made them to be, not perfect, but just who God made us to be, and say, I want to be the one that makes a difference. I want to be that one that looks back in my family and they say, you know what, all changed with Grandma and Grandpa. They're the ones that served Jesus, and since then, everybody. Or I want to be the one in my company that stands out, you know, that... that People say, well, you know, he's a Christian and he's a little funny, but man, he's the best worker and he keeps getting promoted and wow. In the neighborhood. And well, yeah, that house over there. But if you need something, you go to them. If you need prayer, man, they know how to pray. Even in the church. I want to be the one that steps up and helps. I want to be the one, and I'm not talking about, and, and there's, we've had that over the years. Every church has it. We have people that they show up, and they want to be the one in front, but they don't want to do anything in the back. Come on. Here's the thing. Even the things that we do secret, it talks about it. If you give a cup of cold water, you give some Kool-Aid to a kid, and nobody knows about it, but you and that kid, and the Bible says, Jesus said, you will not lose your reward. You will be rewarded. He didn't just say, well, everybody that stands in front of a great congregation, and you know, everybody goes, oh, well, really what those people are looking for is the, the adulation, the praise of men. And God does call some people to stand in front of people, but He doesn't call us all to do that. And I believe this. I believe the rewards, God rewards faithfulness and He rewards obedience. And if God's called you, whatever it is, you know, and, and don't disdain what God has called you to do and don't disdain the things that you can do. The right perspective, the right motives, right results. Churchill said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. We love Jesus. We love people. So we want to be a blessing. The time we're living in, I believe, the world needs believers to rise up. Walk in the love of God. Walk in that boldness. Walk in that power. Walk in the blessing of God. So we can be that person that has the answer. Now, understand this. And I was just talking with a... A young girl, Cindy and I were talking with her. Well, she's in her 20s. And she's like, well, I'm trying to help these people with a Bible study. And But she said, you know, I, I thought I had to know everything. And I don't know everything. And I, I told her a story about a, a cousin I had. And he, and he was a musician. And many years ago, he opened a music stories in heaven now. Glenn Waters is his name. But he was so talented. He just naturally could play about anything. Well, one day in his music store, a lady came in and said, I want you, do you give violin lessons? Well, yeah, sure. Well, you know, my little boy, I want to bring him violin lessons. He said, you know, I don't have an opening for two weeks, but you come back in two weeks and we'll give him his first lesson. So he went out and bought a violin and learned enough that he knew more than that little boy. See, you don't have to know everything about everything. In fact, you're never going to know everything about everything on this side. You're not. 
And if you wait until you feel like you're good enough, if you wait until, you know, everybody goes, wow, you know, you've got everything together and you never have a bad thought and everything's perfect in your life. And you wait until that place in your life before you say, God, use me. God will never be able to use you. No, just as we are. And that's what we encourage the girl. They said, well, you know, you don't have to know everything. You just keep studying. You just keep learning. And, and all you need to do is just be with them, maybe just a little bit ahead of them. That's all. We're all learning and growing together. No one knows everything. Come on. If somebody writes a Christian book and said everything you need to know about everything, don't waste your dollar on it. And that's what it will be costing after a little while because people go, that book's nothing. You know, it'd be on the dollar shelf. Let God use us to be a blessing to others. So I ask myself, you know, I think about, okay, how many orphans do I want to support? Well, how many Bible schools? How many unwed teen mom homes? There's plenty of things. There's plenty of opportunity. Even in our church, there's opportunity. But we have to ask ourselves, am I passionate about this? How many people do I want to impact? Do I want to be the Good Samaritan? Do I just want to be the one who looks and says, mm, somebody ought to do something about that, but not me? And the preacher, he walked by and he tried to just pretend it's not there. You know, and if I don't do that, I got to go home. I got to prepare a sermon. Those people, I got to do this. I, I can't even... I, no, I won't even see him. Colossians 3. We're about to finish up. Are you all ready? Colossians 3 and verse 23. It says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Let me say that part again. As working for the Lord. Amen. Never forget whom you work for. You work for the Lord. Not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Outside of these walls, love people. And I guess I need to say it, inside of these walls, love people. Come on. Whether you're an usher, greeter, donut eater, whatever you are you clean the building or you pick up leaves or you mow the lawn or you clean the windows or whatever whatever you do realize you're doing it is under the Lord the message translation there of Colossians it says don't just do the minimum that you will get you that will get you by don't just do the minimum do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God. Confident you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The sullen servant. Let me give you some work advice here. The sullen servant. Here I am again at work. Another day, another dollar two ninety-eight. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. <coughs> Excuse me. I was talking with my son, Josiah, in Australia a few days ago, and, and he's had a little side job in the morning. The, his kids go to a Christian school, and to help pay the tuition like that, where he and his wife live, they work part-time at that school. 
And so he goes early in the morning and, and does cleaning, you know, and he's been driving one of those little street sweeper things, you know, that clean the gym and all that. Anyway, he's talking about he was had to be at work at 4. Well, he's had real good favor, and now he's not going to have to go into work till uh, 5.30. So they've, they've worked with him just because they said, you know what, Josiah, we never have to check on you. said, in fact, you get done with all your work, and you come and do other people's work. Said, you're the only one we have we don't check on. Because he's doing it to the Lord. And we're talking about a couple of the different people. The bosses don't show up till about six. So those people that get there at four, he said, some of them, they just come and they sleep the first hour or two. And he said, I, I went, you know, he was doing, and he said, I ran to grab a cup of coffee and the one, and he said, I walked in and there's a, a you know, it's, it's on a motion deal and the lights all came on and the guy was sitting there on his phone. He'd been sitting there in the dark for an hour and a half or so. And people wonder why they're not promoted. Come on. But Josiah's like, hey, mate, sorry if I woke you up. Sorry to interrupt, you know. And he said, you know... They asked him about one person, but he said, I'm not going to him and telling him, look, you know, this one and that, and because of that, I'm having to do extra. He said, I'm working for the Lord. And he said, they are making their choice, and they will receive the harvest of their choice. I don't have to try to get them in trouble. They are doing it themselves. Exactly. So, we do our work as under the Lord, don't we? When we live to give, a couple of things here and let's close. The day is not a success unless we've blessed others. Put a smile on, be kind, find a way somewhere. And if you get up in the morning and say, Lord, here's my hands, here's my feet, here's my mouth. I'm going to put a smile on, I'm going to be kind today, I'm going to love people. Guess what's probably going to happen? You're going to be so challenged... You probably, you know, the devil's going to try to stop you from being that way. But as you get in that habit, it'll become normal for you. I'm going to be a blessing today. Lord, make me a blessing. There's really no limit of how many people we can be a blessing to. We've said it. We've done it before. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. You don't have to be perfect. You and I know, you know more than many Bible school graduates. Now, they may know more about some of the theology, some of the things you know, and some of the, some of the nuances. But you know about the love of God. You know about God's goodness. You know about His faithfulness. You've proven it over and over in your life. You have a track record of God's love in your life. You've seen him come through time and time again. Don't let the devil tell you you don't have anything to give. You have so much to give. Even a smile, an encouraging word. So we pray that. Lord, use us to be a blessing. It's not just about my comfort. In fact, it's not about my comfort or your comfort either. 
It's about God loving people through us. We must be passionate about that. Even in prayer, praying for the lost, praying for that friend, that neighbor. You know, that's costing you some time. That's costing you some effort. Are we as good as the Good Samaritan where we go, you know what? I'm going to take, I care about that person enough. I'm going to pray for them. And sometimes I've prayed for people that's like, you know, they, they mistreated me or they made me mad. And, you know, the Lord will say, well, maybe you should pray for them. Like, I don't want to pray for them. I, you know, I just don't even want to. I just want to forget it. I just want to. No, and the Lord says, well, pray for them. I want you to know today how much God loves you. How special you are to God. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. There's no one like you. You're one of a kind. God cares about you. He's got a plan for your life. And it's a good plan. Remember, we started with that scripture. God's not the one causing problems in your life. God is the answer to all of life. And He wants to help you and change you and give you that peace give you joy help you to be a blessing you know it really is it's interesting you know it says it's more blessed to give than to receive well I like to receive we all like to receive but there's just something about being able to encourage someone else too there's just something about being able to pray with someone else there's just something about you know being able to buy their lunch instead of you always being the one well you know I don't have a quarter you know please feed me Right? There's something about it. And we are created for connection. I believe God, the first connection is we connect with Jesus. We connect with God through Jesus. And we connect with one another. We connect with the lost. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to pray. And you pray with me. And it, the words, the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and say with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you call Him Lord... The word says, Romans 10 says, you will be saved. So it doesn't have to be, oh, with this magic words. You know, I've known people that's like, well, you know, I prayed, but I didn't pray quite the right words or something. No, God knows the heart. So pray something like this. Uh, and I just, I'll lead you here. Just say, God in heaven, I come before you today in the name of Jesus. And I believe with all my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That Jesus is alive today. And I call Jesus my Lord. Now we're going to do it. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. And be my Lord. Be Lord of all of my life. Every area. Every detail. I will serve you all the days of my life. Fill me today. And every day with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Now just take a moment and just thank Him. Say, thank you, Lord, for accepting me. Thank you for loving me. Now maybe you prayed that prayer. Close your eyes here, everyone here. If you, if you prayed that prayer today, maybe you've made Jesus the Lord of your life the first time. Maybe you're what we would call one of the prodigal sons who's walked away. But today you made a fresh commitment. 
Would you just be bold enough with your eyes closed? I'm the only one looking around. With eyes closed, just raise your hand real quickly. Just say, Pastor Dan, that's me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You say, well, Pastor Dan, that's just a habit. You know, I want to confess Jesus as my Lord. I want to tell him fresh and new, you have all of me. You have my heart, so you have my heart, so you have everything. You have my wallet, you have my checkbook, you have my car, you have my house, you have my marriage, you have my kids, you have my grant, you have everything. You have my church. Lord, unless you do it, I'm in trouble. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 